Welcome back to Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. I'm personal financial planner, columnist, and financial therapist, Rick Kaler. Research tells us that 90% of all financial decisions are made emotionally, not logically. For nearly four decades, I've been helping people make better money decisions. So what makes my financial worldview different from most financial experts? I blend the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Good money decisions are not just about the money. So let's get started with today's episode. Welcome back to another episode. And I want to talk about retirement in this particular segment and give you some of the uh, financial planning tips, strategies, things that a person needs to be really aware of and bring in that emotional aspect of making those decisions. You know, as, as we know, when I say over and over, 80 to 100% of every financial decision is made emotionally. So it's really important that we continue to look at uh, both sides of a financial decision, and the nuts and bolts of the financial part and the emotions around each one of those decisions. So one of the things that's needed in retirement is a support system. And support systems just don't appear. There's no place you can go to to click on and find support systems for retirement. This is something that needs to be very intentional and something that you have a a lot of awareness around and conscientious around. So it, it takes some time to put a support system into place and it will take some money. And I, I say this, it's, it's so important because as I have seen my clients go through early retirement, mid-retirement, and late retirement, three stages of retirement, I often find that they don't have really anyone looking after their emotional, physical, or financial well-being during this time. So a lot of folks really struggle through this retirement and and especially more so in mid and late retirement because of the lack of planning and putting that that support system in place. So it's pretty heartbreaking for me as a financial planner, financial therapist, watching uh, people struggle through this uh, period of their life. And especially when the uh, struggle it isn't necessary, okay? So there, there's, a, there's a number of things that we can look at and put in place that will help us during this time. So a support system, of course, is going to involve a number of uh, people and they don't all have to be professionals. I mean, for most of us, we need a tax preparer, we need an attorney, we need a financial planner. Those are probably the three basic folks we need financially. But it goes beyond that. Uh, We need a medical advocate, probably one of the most important uh, pieces of our support system. 
and this can be a family member. It might even be best if it wasn't a family member. And there are services out there that will provide that type of advocacy for seniors. A bookkeeper can be really, really important uh, as we move through retirement. So finding that person and finding somebody that you trust when you don't need it. And I think this is really important to internalize, that these pieces need to be put in place before we need to put them in place, before we need their services. So many seniors feel that if they don't talk about it, then it won't happen. And I don't need it today, but when it happens, then I'll put my support team in place. Well, that is way too late because very possibly at the time that you need that support team in place, you are at a place emotionally, cognitively, physically that you don't even know you need that support team in place and or you don't have the capacity to go put that support team in place. So this is so crucial. So getting a bookkeeper when you don't need a bookkeeper is important. Well, isn't that an extra expense? Well, yes and no. Yes, it, it, it's um, a little extra expense, but you don't have to have the bookkeeper doing everything. You can have the bookkeeper reconciling things maybe on a quarterly basis or, or just doing some things to where they're aware of your finances, uh, they know where to go, but they're not doing all the work, which can save money. But they're in place. It's somebody that knows your system. It's somebody that you trust. And when things begin to happen, they can step in and you can feel comfortable with them stepping in and taking on more and more. So I think the same thing is true with a, a medical advocate. You may be able to think of a lot more uh, pieces of your support team. I mean, there, there's uh, your insurance um, agents uh, that are important. I am not thinking of some others, but there's a, there's a whole horse, host of people that may be very specific to your situation. I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, potentially somebody to cook or a, a place to get meals or have meals brought in. In, a, in a late retirement, you may need uh, to have a medical person or a nurse that would come by once a day to maybe help with medications. I mean, all sorts of things pop up. Eventually, we, we're going to need someone to drive us. Uh, and, of course, today we have wonderful options like Lyft and Uber. But it's really important that you start using Lyft and Uber and get that app on your smartphone long before you need them and take some trips with them so you know how it works. The uh, black box, so to speak, is removed. So important to begin working on this. One thing that's coming to my mind right now is in our town, we have a, a retirement community and you buy into that community. And it often takes, depending on demand, one to five years 
to get into this particular uh, retirement community. People love it. We hear lots of good things about it. But you just can't decide one day to get in. You've got to plan, which means you've got to get on the list. And I think getting on the list, uh, you put down $6,000, which is totally refundable if you never decide to take one of their units. For myself, I've watched so many clients uh, get to the point to where that finally it's like, oh, we need to move. Uh, we need to, to go into a place. And we need to do so now. And it's just too late for some of the better, better alternatives. So for myself personally, I got on that list, oh man, probably three, four, five years ago around uh, when I was 60. <laughs> Way too early, I hope. But uh, when I decide it's time, I will probably be at the top of the list uh, to where I can call up and potentially get a unit within a few months. So it's that type of planning that we need to go through. And I may have not come up with one of the most important support people on your team, which would be a financial therapist or even a therapist that can help. Depression, there's so many um, mental health type issues that are so prevalent in retirement. And it's so important to have a therapist that uh, you see per periodically. Again, it doesn't mean that you have to have weekly sessions with your therapist, although I think they're great. Once you uh, begin understanding the benefits of therapy, you can uh, uh, start looking at it as maintenance. But having that therapist, financial therapist, that you do some check-ins with can be so helpful. I Once again, especially when you hit a period that you really need that. So some other things that um, can be uh, important uh, and tied around all of the emotion that come up with retirement. One thing that you will want to do is make sure that you update your retirement plan at least annually, okay? Updating a retirement plan means you need to have one. And probably you are not your best financial planner. And this would be true even if you are a financial professional, a financial planner. Uh, financial planners need their own financial planner. Why doesn't anyone have a financial planner? The number one reason in the surveys that I've done and have been done by the Wall Street Journal is I can do it myself. I can do my own financial planning. You know, that it could be true that you can do parts of it. It may be true, like in the case of a financial planner, that you have the ability to do all of it. The problem comes, A, especially with financial planners, is they don't, have, they don't take the time to do it. If they have 100 clients, they're number 101 on the list. Uh, number two, you can't see your own blind spots. And I could go into a war story about uh, when I hired a financial planner and she discovered a very embarrassing goof up in my financial plan. So I would have been aghast if that had been uh, found in any of my clients 
but I, I wasn't paying attention to myself in the same way I pay attention to clients. So you need to have a financial professional in your pocket and it becomes more and more important the later stages that you get into retirement. A lot of people have a money script of just the opposite that, well, once I get into retirement, I'm not complicated, things are easier and why spend all that money? And the opposite is so true because um, I can tell you that my mid to late retirees absolutely need somebody looking over their stuff, advocating for them. And uh, those I have find a lot of security and uh, a lot, have a lot less anxiety because they know someone is looking after them when it comes to all those financial details. And, and also there was a article, a survey, some research done by Derek Tharp at kitsis.com last January and he found out that people who are receiving ongoing advice are able to adjust their spending along the way. I mean, what's the number one concern we have in retirement? I'm going to run out of my money. And what they have found is those retirees that do have a financial professional that it, that is updating their plan once a year can be very proactive and helping make any adjustments along the way to make sure that they don't run out of money. Without that, we can kind of be oblivious to what's happening. And it's kind of like a freight train. And we're going along at one spending level. And... Um, there's uh, the break on the train is uh, looking at that annual plan, updating that annual plan, and slowing down the spending if needed. And without that, the train can literally run right off the tracks. So, so if you have a resistance to having a financial plan, a resistance to having a financial planner, this is really good information because that that that's a, a a trailhead to follow as to what's up with that. What what are the messages? Uh, what happens when within inside me when I think about having a financial planner? What are the feelings? Are there any emotions that come up? And what are the messages that I'm receiving? I can't afford a financial planner. Uh, I don't have enough for a financial planner. I don't want to reveal what I have. I feel like I'll be judged by a financial planner. I mean, there's an unlimited number of things that can come up. And that would be really good information to work through with yourself, with a trusted friend, with a financial therapist especially, to see where those trails lead to and uh, why they're there. Because while you might say to yourself, boy, this resistance seems illogical. What Rick's saying makes perfect sense. And I really should. I really ought to have a financial planner, but I have this huge resistance. Well, that resistance makes perfect sense. It's completely logical. Once you understand what the underlying money script is, what the underlying belief is around that. And when that is discovered, then you can... Uh, 
work with that to uh, to to find out those those beliefs were. And sometimes uh, the, this type of resistance can be tied way back to childhood. And I've given examples before on the podcast of of how our actions today, our money behaviors today, are so often tied to those events of long, long ago that have have just been been buried, right? But they play out in our lives every day. Something else that I just want to bring up to you that uh, kind of a nut, nuts and bolts task is don't assume, like I said, that, that everything gets easier in retirement, right? There's not much. It's not complicated. <laughs> and one of these uh, poor assumptions is assuming that taking money out of your IRA is easy. Well, yeah. Isn't it easy? Um, no. <laughs> IRAs are governed by a really complex set of laws and regulations and necessitate a number of relatively complicated strategies to maximize the distributions and minimize the taxes. Okay? And there's things like RMDs, QCDs, 72 Ts, Roth conversion, protector from creditor lawsuits, rollover rules, uh, complex beneficiary limitations, and uh, just requirements around when, when somebody inherits an IRA and who the best beneficiary is. Mess up any of these and the tax deferred status of your IRA could disappear. What does that mean? It means that you could easily uh, hand over, I don't know, probably uh, 22 to 50% of your IRA to the IRS. So I don't, I don't mean to alarm um, or, or create anxiety with that, but I do intend to raise awareness that things don't get simpler in retirement. And if we have a money script that says, oh yeah, it's not hard, IRAs, I just take my money out. If we live our life and operate like that, you can get to the place where there's been some irreparable mess up by the time you kind of discover something's wrong or your accountant mentions something or you see a huge tax bill coming in. And that's a a heartbreaking place to be in when you are potentially told, uh, I wish you had come and seen me 10 years ago. So that's important. Another thing, you know, we kind of talked about overspending and the, the, the uh, train that can just <laughs> be going from its own momentum and go off the tracks. There, the flip side of that is the train that isn't moving, uh, underspending. Underspending when underspending isn't necessary, okay? And I have a podcast coming, or that, that I've done on this, actually, on the uh, frugality mindset. And this frugality mindset is so common with people who accumulate wealth. Usually they are money vigilants, and we've talked about that in a podcast, the money vigilant uh, mindset. So that's great for accumulating money, right? But it can actually serve to threaten uh, your uh, physical and mental well-being 
in retirement. Uh, why? Because I've actually had clients that uh, have things in their house that uh, are unsafe, exposed wires or boards that need to be uh, nailed down or replaced where that maintenance isn't being done because of how that costs so much. I got a bit to do that. You know, it's fine. And just the, the, the not wanting to spend money. And spending money, I mean, what is money for? Money, what you, I mean, ultimately, money does us no good unless it's spent. And I know to some of you that are money vigilance right now, you're like, oh, no, I got to save. Well, <laughs> if you're 25 or 35 or 45, yeah, yeah, saving is important and frugality can be your friend. But when you're 65, 70, 75, the earning years are over, the accumulating years are over. It is time for your money to support your retirement, to support your desires, to support your health. And this means it needs to be spent. Well, then all sorts of anxiety can be released like, oh, I'm going to be spending my principal and those are the emotions that we need to pay attention to. Again, those are the trailheads that are screaming so loudly. We've got, got this part of us that manages that, that says, oh, no, the anxiety's kicking up. Great. Don't spend frugality. And that cannot serve us well, especially when the spending is for our um, health benefit, whether it's physical or mental health. So this is something to, to really take a look at and find that balance. And then uh, something else that is important to do, and I don't see this done very much, is preparing for the inevitable declining cognitive functioning. Now, we've talked about that a little bit, about getting your support team together. But it's so important to have some type of a baseline around this. How do you know when you're slipping, right? Well, like the frog in the pan of hot water, it can be hard to know that the water's getting hotter and hotter and hotter, right? It's hard to know when it's gradual. It's easy to know if it's a stroke or something that happens suddenly. That's easy. And again, that can be too late. But there is a uh, uh, exercise that we have. I don't know if it's publicly available. It's called Journey into Elderhood. It's put out by Money Quotient, which is a firm that has lots of tools for financial planners. And it's a it's an assessment. You could do this for yourself. It's a, an assessment that you take every three years. And it assesses you in 10 different areas. And as I'm talking about this right now, I'm thinking, oh, this would be a good podcast to cover uh, what those 10 areas are and talk a little bit about that assessment. But, uh, you know, you're driving and uh, are you able to to cook and just all the functions of life, uh, how you notice your speech, your memory, things like that, where you rate yourself on a one to 10 in each of those areas. Every three years you revisit it. And of course it's best if you can rate yourself and then 
transpose those ratings to your master sheet. And then you can start seeing what did, how, how, what was your self-assessment three years ago? What is it today? And I've actually started one of those for myself. Uh, seems a little silly. It's a little bit early. And that's the time to start it, right? So that I can look back and go, wow, 10 years ago, what I have really deteriorated or, or maybe certain areas where I haven't. Now, why is this important, right? This is important to help us become aware and get past the uh, denial that often operates, okay? And why does denial operate around our cognitive functioning? Because to, to begin to admit that we are in decline can really uh, hit some, uh, in the IFS term, some exile, some um, emotions, right? Emotions within us that uh, can be uncomfortable, that can be difficult to feel fear around that decline. And what does that fear mean? What am I afraid of? So it's easier than to just to be in denial that I'm going there. Well, this can help. This can be a tool that can help us uh, potentially break through that denial and begin to admit, yes, uh, I do need to put something in place or I do need to do something or it is time to look at independent living or assisted living or whatever that is. Because oftentimes when we wait too long, that's a decision that's made for us and that we don't have any control over. So, so I hope these uh, uh, points have been helpful to you. I hope that I've given you some... Uh, uh, confidence. I probably could have raised your anxiety a little bit. And if I, I can help raise that anxiety enough to go into action around this, like to go, you know, I think maybe I should uh, take a look at some of these things, then I am really happy about that. I just hope your takeaway from this session is that it's important in early retirement that you assemble a trustworthy team of financial advisors, friends, family, who know you, who care about you, and who are going to be there for you as you journey into this latter part of life. Thanks for listening. I look forward to being with you next week. Thanks for joining me, Rick Kaler, for another episode of Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. This is where I combine the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Remember, every financial behavior, whether it appears illogical to you or others, makes perfect sense when we understand the underlying beliefs, feelings, and thoughts. Sign up for my weekly blog at financialawakenings.com. I hope you'll join me again for our next episode.